Welcome to Let's Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Batts. You're here with me, and I'm sitting in the studio with Carmen Bell, the Senior Director of Healthy Aging at United Way of the Greater Lehigh Valley. Carmen, it is uh, phenomenal to be here with you. My pleasure. I'm always happy to talk about our community, our older adults, and what we can do to forward their position with us. Mm. You you ready to come out the gate <laughs> with, with, with this deep conversation. Well, thank, thank you for being here, right? But we, we want to start with Carmen the, the, the woman, the force that you are. Um, tell our listeners about who is Carmen Bell and how did she come to be, right? Like, so not just who you are now, but what's, what's, what's that story that is behind, you know, your, who you became? I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. Mm. So all of these things make up who I am. And just always, as long as I can remember, my parents always said, you can be and do whatever it is that you put your mind to. Just be authentic, be honest, and as long as you're telling the truth, you don't have anything to worry about. Wow. As long as you're telling the truth, you don't have anything to worry about. Uh, where are you from? Like, what, what area? So I was originally, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Shout out to Brooklyn. I yep. didn't know that. East New York, Brooklyn. I was okay. there for about nine, ten years, and then we moved out to Southeast Queens, mm-hmm. and that's where... I lived for the bulk of my years before I um, moved to Pennsylvania. I mean, I lived in Manhattan for a while as well. Went to City College of New York. I started out as a math major. I thought I was going to be a teacher. Mm. Yeah, that didn't last for me. Um, And then worked in publishing for a while. Got recruited by Daytimers to come be in their marketing department. And then I've done a few things. I've worked for Rodale. I've done some catalog marketing. I've done some case management. And then I ended up at Atlanta working with their older adult population mm-hmm. and their issues with transportation. So that just began a journey that led me to United Way. And I remember being at Atlanta and working with the older adults, and I was charged with just understanding what their complaints were, mm-hmm. if they understood how the transportation system worked, just making sure that they understood what they needed to do, what their responsibilities were, and then listening to how we could make it better. And what I found out is that what they really wanted to do was just talk. They just wanted someone mm. who was going to pay attention to mm-hmm. them, who would hear what they had to say. That's right. And it wasn't necessarily about the transportation. A lot of times it's like, oh, it's Friday. Okay, Mrs. So-and-so is going to call me, and we're going to talk about her daughter who's doing really well but lives on the other side of the country mm-hmm. and is succeeding well, and she's just so proud of her. Or Mr. So-and-so is going to call me, and we're going to talk about his late wife and how much he cared for her and the things that they used to so, do together. So you're talking about companionship, essentially. Right, right. Like People community. don't want to be alone. People don't want to. And the uh, Surgeon General just came out with a report that says, what, isolation is a, is a public health epidemic. Yes. Loneliness. Uh, loneliness right. and isolation is public health crisis. Public health crisis. And we need to start addressing that. I think that contributes to some of the mental health issues that we're seeing in our community today, not just among older adults, but across the age spectrum. We have this, uh, we've, we've, we're buying into this idea of individualism, rugged individualism, right? You can do it on your own, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, um, and people are suffering yes. d- due to that. I mean, some people don't have any bootstraps. You know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, they, what do you do if you don't have bootstraps, <laughs> when right? they say that, you know, yeah. I don't think we're meant to be alone. And I'm not talking necessarily about having a husband or a wife or a spouse of some sort. I'm really just talking about you need to be engaged and connected to your community. That's right. You need to have a network around you that, that you know someone's looking out for you. That's, That's right. got your back. And so, and when you feel that and when you have that connection, you tend to take care of yourself better. Mm. You look out for others better. Your outlook mm. on life is better. Your health and wellness is improved. So when we sit in isolation, 
There's no one that's keeping eyes on us. That's and right. that can lead to depression and, and you're lack talking of across the spectrum. Across the spectrum. Cradle cradle to, to, to career, cradle to the grave. You're not even just talking about seniors just yet. Right. You're saying twelve year olds need companionship. Everybody needs some companionship. Everybody needs somebody who's gonna look out for them or that they know that they can depend on. Even when they fight against and say, I don't I don't need anybody. Yeah. We really do need other people. We need to be in community, we need to be engaged. We need to know that we have value and that we are worthy. That's right. We talk about this idea of authentic relationship and community. Like, like that is where wellness is centered. And how did you learn? You learned this at Atlanta? You learned this earlier in life? Yeah. I think just, you know, I've always been involved with community activities and just being around people. I was a case manager for a little while. And just by being in community and talking to people mm-hmm. and doing reading, you, you could do your own research and That's just right. hearing what people are saying and something starts to resonate and you try different things and you see that the research is supporting the things that you're thinking, that it's saying, yes, we need to be connected to one another. Right. And so I just gravitated toward that. You know, okay. We've always been in a community where... We were expected to help others. We didn't have a lot. When you say expected, like your parents raised you to to, to, to like be activated and engaged. Yes, it's like if you, we didn't have a lot, but we had more than others. And if you have something, you should be willing to share it and to give it. Wow. So whether that's whether that's food, whether that's companionship, yeah. whether that's friendship or whatever, right. you should always be willing to give. And if you have these things, you have a great responsibility to make sure that you are giving. So that's what draws. Because because I see you, you really don't stop, right? You're engaged politically. You're engaged in the community. Like you, you your work is also like your vocation and avocation have aligned, right? Yes. So and, and I didn't know that that came from your parents growing up in East New York. Yeah, definitely. It's, you can't sit back and say I don't have this or I don't have that or the world is against me or there's racism. All of these things are true in some form or another. But you are responsible to a certain extent for your own condition. Mm-hmm. So if you can, you help others improve theirs. That's right. And if you want to improve your community, then you have that power to improve your community. You just have to be in it. And I'm not saying that it's easy work or that you're going to do it by yourself, but you have to make that effort. You can't just sit back and say, oh, look at this. This is a terrible situation. That's right. you got to get in the mix and let people know what they are capable of doing. You know? I mean, if you lay out the options, I think this is why I'm involved politically. It's like, that's the game that's in town. So we may rail against it or whatever and say it's not fair, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do that. But what are you going to do? Are you going to sit on the outside of that and do nothing? Or are you going to try to get in the middle of it and make some change that way? So you have to, people need to be aware of what's possible, mm. what their options are, mm. what they can do to encourage change how the various elections and different positions can it impact their daily lives. And so you lay that out for them and say, well, it may or may not work the way you want, but mm-hmm. if you do nothing, nothing will nothing change. Nothing will change. <laughs> so yeah. let's try something. El- Elder Phyllis Alexander always says this, you have to do something. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah, so so you are a, a, a black woman. Our listeners may not know that just from mm-hmm. hearing your voice, right? As an elder, a black female elder, you've seen the world change over the years, I would imagine. Um, oh, yes. So, you know, you see a lot of things, and you can become discouraged by it. And, okay. I, you know, I've had those moments where I saw some things happen politically, and I was just incredibly discouraged by it. And You're talking about recently or decades in, ago? In the last six years. Okay. I mean, I've okay. seen some things when I was in college, you know, in the 70s, and the National Guard was called out to City College because we were protesting the war and racism and all those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at these young men that are standing there with guns 
in a moment of clarity, it's like they're no older than I am, and mm-hmm. and they can kill me, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, just just like that if I make a wrong move. So that was a that was a wake up call, and then I think that spurred my interest in getting involved politically. We knew that um, at the time I was coming up, you couldn't vote at the age of eighteen, and I turned eighteen that year in nineteen seventy three. And what does that mean? When, when could you well, vote? Well, 18-year-olds could not vote. When, when, when was voting? That changed that year. You so had 21 or when was 21. It? You had to be 21. Well, I, I never heard that before. So, but they could go to war, and they were being drafted and sent over to Vietnam. And so I think that just kind of stirred something in me, and that's why I was out there, like, protesting. How could you say we, they can't drink, they can't vote, but yet you're going to train them and arm them to go into a conflict and kill people? Mm. There's a disconnect here. That's right. That's when that voting law changed, and it just that inspired me. It's like we can do things. You like, can change things if you're acting. You can change so, things so, if you're so, acting. So that desire to vote and be part of the system, the change in the system, activated you. Who, who are some of your heroes and sheroes when you look back at your life? I'm gonna say at the top of the, my list, and this seems, seems so cliche, but at the top of my list, I'm gonna put my mom and my dad. Okay. My mother, because she just worked hard to make sure that we had all the things that we needed. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she fed us, she clothed us, she talked to us about what was possible and what we could do. And my father, who wasn't as connected to us emotionally, he kept, you know, he was a little more distant. But in hindsight, I see the way that he did things. If we went to a party, he was outside at the time to pick us up. So I'm going to be there at 12 o'clock. He was there at 12 o'clock. Yeah. You don't come outside, I'm coming in. Mm. And he did that to us. He came into the party. Stop the party, lights on, music <laughs> so, stops. So he was, he was very Down present. in the basement. Very present. And listen, I, I'm, I'm from Crown Heights, so I know what a Brooklyn basement party looks like. So, so you know, and I, you know, when you're younger, you say, oh, okay, well, like, dad, go on, dad, why you do that? But I'm past it now, and that was just him showing love. Mm-hmm. When he would say to uh, my friends, they'd say, oh, we want to go to another party. He said, mm, no, I'm going to take you to home. If your parents say you could go back out, that's on them. That's right. But I told him I was going to bring you home. And so I'm going to bring you home, and that's where it's going to be. So he be. was a man of his word. He was a man of his word. We would, you know, he would look at us sometimes like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with these kids? We would run out of gas. It was typical. We'd all be sitting in the car sheepish, but we knew we could find a pay phone because we didn't have cell phones then. Mm-hmm. Call my dad, and he would always come. So wow. that's an act of love. That's beautiful. So we never doubted it. And he would look at us like he was so disheartened, like, what am I going to do with you? Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. smart, but you're not smart enough, right? So, um, so, so you described your mother and your father. How do you want to be defined? How do you want your community, your children, your grandchildren to describe you? I want them to say she's a person who helped people. Hmm. That if she had it and you needed it, she would give it to you. Wow, that's um, beautiful. I, I see them looking at me. And I, I feel that responsibility. I see my brother's sons looking at me. I yeah. see my other nephews and nieces looking at me and what have you, along with my daughter. And I know that I have a responsibility to them. That's right. That I have to show them how it's done. I can't just talk about it. I have to, to do the work. So when they see me out there knocking on doors or advocating for positions or doing whatever it is that I'm doing, they get a taste of what it's like to be involved in community. Yeah. I mean, I've already had my grandchildren out with me when I'm knocking on doors or planning political events or even community events. So. What, what's it like today, knocking on doors versus in the past? Are, are people more politically educated and aware? Are they more activated, less activated, apathetic? What, what are you finding? I think it's, um, they seem to be a little bit, in some cases, more apathetic. And mm-hmm. I think it's also, it feels a little scarier. You know, we've talked about, Dropping literature where you don't have to engage with someone. 
and you're just going to leave the lit there for them to read and actually encountering someone. So I'm a little bit more nervous about that. And there Oh, are, you mean for your safety when you say scarier? Yes. Um, so 20, 30, 40 years ago, there was the fear didn't exist. It didn't exist for me. I didn't I didn't think about that then, then, but I was a lot younger then. So you you know you think you're kind of invincible. Okay. You know you don't. Um, I mean you understand the fear, but you're you're just like I'm just gonna walk headlong into that and just because yeah. this has to be done. And then as you get older, you understand that there's a different vibe out there, especially now in these last six to ten years. It's a totally different vibe. The, so the world has changed. It has, and I look at houses and it's like, yep, we're not going to that door. Because it, it doesn't feel safe. You know, it's it's too far removed from the street, so people can't see. Now, East that I'm New York there. is a rough neighborhood. At least when I, I came up in. <laughs> I mean, I, I was born in 75, right? So I came up in Brooklyn in the 80s, 70, mm-hmm. late 70s, 80s. East New York was rough. And you're saying, like, where you are now, you you, you have more safety concerns than, than walking through East New York, Brownsville side of town. Well, see, I wasn't doing a whole lot of that when I was in East New York because I was a little girl. Okay. And then we moved okay. into Queens. So I wasn't out and about by myself then. So okay, understand. And I and I know that it was rough because there were times when we would be up on the avenue, Delancey or, or Atlantic Avenue, trying to go shopping and you'd see the gangs yeah. coming after each other and we'd duck into a store. It's like, oh, they don't know what they're doing, but they've got guns, so we're just gonna hide in the store yeah. until that passes. But we left that, moved into Queens into a Yeah, more residential. More residential neighborhood. Okay. So it was a totally different vibe. I just felt secure in my in my community. Your because, life and your community. Right, because yeah. on that on that street where I grew up, and even in that whole community, everybody looked out for everybody's kids. So if you did something, all the neighbors knew about it. You always it, hear this. And they yeah. were on it. That's like right. You would, like, it was like you were walking the gauntlet as you were coming home. You were get it from everybody. <laughs> you were getting it from everybody. So, so you really understand. We talk a lot about this idea of restoring the village and building community. And you get it. I get it. Quickly, tell us, what is it going to take to restore the village? I think we just have to stop being afraid to connect to one another. We have to show that we have some vulnerabilities, that the world is not going to end if you show someone that you might be a little afraid of something or that you need a little bit of help or that things are not going quite the way that Mm -hmm. you want and that you're asking for that help and you're willing to give help in return. Just be human. Just be human. We're going to take a break. When we return, we're coming back with Carmen Bell. We're going to learn more about what do seniors need, what's the state of seniors, and your work at uh, United Way of the Greater Lehigh Valley. Sounds great. Spread the word about your business or organization to a well-informed audience. Become an underwriter with WDIY. Our lineup of NPR news and locally produced programs reaches thousands of engaged listeners in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Underwriting on WDIY is an affordable and effective way to provide information about your product and services to people who care. To learn more about underwriting opportunities, 610-694-8100 or WDIY.org. Welcome back to Let's Talk. You're here with Dr. Hassan Batts. I'm in the studio with Carmen Bell, Senior Director of Healthy Aging at United Way of the Greater Lehigh Valley. Carmen, we've talked about your life. We've talked about your ideas of community, restoring the village, your political activism and engagement. Now we want to talk about, like, your passion around seniors and what we can do and what the world needs and and, and some about your work. So you you told us how you got here with this interest, but tell us a little bit more about what does it mean to be an elder and what kind of, you know, what do we need from our elders and what support can we offer our elders? I think first and foremost, we, we need to ask ourselves what kind of community do we want to be? Do you want to be that community that welcomes and engages and respects 
everyone in the community, regardless mm. of age, ability, ethnicity, religion, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So is that the place that you want to be? And then I think the second thing you have to say to yourself is, how are we going to embrace everybody? So if, if I have an elder who needs something, I want to be in a community that says, let's make sure that they have it. That's right. And if I'm in a community that has elders who are outgoing and engaged and joining in and doing things, I want to celebrate them. Right. And I want to acknowledge the wisdom that lives in our community. These are people who have lived through different periods of history. They've had different kinds of careers and jobs. They've raised families. Um, they've been involved in their community. And we should be acknowledging that, holding that up to the light, and celebrating that. And then those who need more help from us, we should be making sure that they have that help. That's right. So if they need assistance in their home, if they are food insecure, if they're having difficulty with housing, I would hope that we would want to be the community that says, we have some solutions. Let's see if we can find something that works for you. Be active and happy to do that, not resentful and how much is it going to cost, but rather... And that's the experience that you see sometimes, that people are, are, are frustrated and don't want to offer support? Sometimes I see that, where, where there are individuals who think that life is at the end for those individuals, so we should focus our attention elsewhere. And... I say that could be, you know, you have, I know that I have more years um, behind me than I have ahead of me, but I think that we should still try to embrace what I still have to offer. That's right. That I still Definitely. have something to offer and yeah. to contribute, Definitely. so don't you want to take advantage of that and, and be exposed to that? And in the same way, if I see an elder that needs something, like, I feel like we have an obligation as, as the village and the community that are surrounding them to make sure that they have it. There should be no reason why anyone does not have access to food right. or medicine or companionship or any of those things because despite inflation and all of those things, we are a country that is rich enough yeah, we are to provide that. Yep. And, and, you know, as you speak, I'm thinking especially the people whose shoulders we stand on, right? Like I've, I've been taught there are a few decisions I make without consulting my elders. So when I think of elders, I think of the wisdom that you guys hold, the life experience that you hold, and also there's this care and love that, that I mean, even speaking to you, right, like that you have for me. Like every time I see you, there's love. You've picked up the phone and, and, and you've redirected me at times and you've embraced me at other times. And how do we how do we create those relationships across, those intergenerational relationships, right? Because I don't think we can do it without you guys. I, I think we just have to be open to that possibility. You know, how are you presenting yourself to the world? So... When I come into contact with people that I know, I show them love. Mm -hmm. How you doing? How's mm -hmm. your family? What's going on with you? And I show them I'm interested in what's happening in their life. And even with people that I don't know, I don't necessarily come at them with apprehension and distrust. I may not totally embrace you because I don't know you cause I, and I don't know how you want me to approach you, but I'm, I'm not going to cut you off at the pass and just ignore you. I'm going to try to be open and polite and engaging. Try we, to, we call that radical welcome. Right. Mm -hmm. Just have that conversation. How are you doing today? That's right. And like, how will I get past the unfamiliar unless I make an attempt That's right. um, to, to engage you? You keep going back to these basic humanity, like, like, like you know, characteristics of just being human and compassionate. Like, you, you're, you're simplifying this. Like, it's really easy. Just, it, just do it. There's nothing to it. It's like, Treat people the way you want to be treated. There you go. Be polite. Be engaging. Be authentic and honest. I mean, you don't have to tell anybody your whole life story, 
but you don't need to, to tell them lies and, and, and untruths. There's no need for that. Just be kind and honest. Just be kind and honest. Your dad taught you that. <laughs> <Just> be <honest. laughs> so tell us about your work at uh, United Way. So we are focusing at United Way on making sure that our, our older adults are connected to the resources that they need to thrive. Mm-hmm. And so the premise that we've come up with is that, and, and this is how my mind works, uh, if I'm trying to make a decision, I just want to know what all my options are. So if you lay that out for me and I can, it's like I can do this or this or this, then I can pick the thing that is going to work best for me and my family. So I think a lot of times that older adults, they're not connected to the resources. They don't know what's available to them. So we want to make sure that they understand what's available to them. Okay. And we're creating spaces where they can have access to that knowledge. So we developed a system of community hubs, trust relationships with five of the senior centers in the Lehigh Valley, and nice. we're looking to expand more. And we ask them to be places, we pick them based on the fact that they were easy to get to, that they offered some kind of food, whether it was a congregate meal or a food pantry or food delivery or some combination of that, uh, that they had access to medical care if the person needed or wanted that. So they mm-hmm. either connected to a clinic or could provide the connection to a clinic. We wanted them to have programming that would allow the older adults to connect with each other and to other parts of the community and to younger people. And we wanted to also just make sure that we were asking the older adults what it is that they wanted. So mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of this community hub idea grew out of just listening to older adults and listening to the partners that we had in community, understanding that isolation and loneliness was an issue, right. and how can we make spaces where people can come together. And we were doing things in our senior centers where we were funding programs like diabetes, fall prevention and things like that. And the, the older adults said to us, that's not what we come here for. We don't want to do that. Wow. We, we can go to our doctor's office for that. <laughs> right. We don't we want to be reminded of what's wrong with us. We yeah. come here to hang out with our friends, to have some food, to dance, to play dominoes. <laughs> it's a social space. Right. Exactly. Like a, like a club. And yeah. so we listened to them. We said, okay. So we stopped requiring that we keep track of all of this medical data so because that is medical, right? Just just the companionship right, just and the, the dancing is moving. Exactly. And yeah, that's all of that. Friendship so is We're going to listen to those older adults because these are the people that we seek to serve and they that's need right. to be at the top of the chain that's in terms beautiful. of who we're listening to. Who's driving the program. Who's driving the program. And then we also listen to our partners. It's like you're boots on the ground. You're working with those older adults day in and day out. Mm-hmm. You hear them. You listen to them. You're talking to them. You're getting to know them and what they want. And so we're going to trust you to take the funding that we provide and build capacity nice. around the things that your older adults you know want. What, you know what your community needs. Right. Now, is this a local? I mean, we, we, we know, right, like, like our United Way is a center of excellence, top 10 in the country. Is this a local priority or nationally are United Ways or other service organizations looking at senior support and community building? And- there, there are some other United Ways and some other organizations that are looking at older adult support. Okay. And indeed, we know that our population is aging. And that's not just happening here. It's happening across the world. I, I keep hearing that. Pennsylvania, I believe, is the fifth oldest state in the nation. Okay. We know that in, in a few short years, there are going to be more people over the age of 60 than under the age of 60. I didn't know that. So 
we just need to get ready. Right. <laughs> like right. Whatever you want to do. We're living longer, right? Right, we're living yeah. longer. And so we need to get ready for that change in the demographic and mm-hmm. how are we going to show up. And then the thing that I say to others is like, well, how do you want to be treated when you get older? You can set the stage for what it's going to look like when you're 60 or 70. Yeah, but how often do you think about that? I mean, if, if, you're, if you're 19 or 27, right, like how often do you think about how do I want to be treated at 70? So you're not thinking about that, but maybe you have a grandmother or a great aunt or whatever right. that you love and you care about. How do you want her or him to be I took treated? my son. I have a uh, Temono, Hassan Jr. Mm-hmm. I took him to meet my, my aunt, Fiend. She's 97 years old. Wonderful. And as soon as she held him, she just started crying mm-hmm. and told me stories of my father. You know what I mean? Because you can see the connection. That's the connection to your history. That's her connection to the future. And that's her seeing what her family has built. And, that's she, right. and that's, that's her right. seeing that her family is going to continue. And what she built as a matriarch, right? Mm-hmm. Like she, she contrib- He's here as a direct contribution. Exactly. She's actually my great, great, she's my grandmother's aunt. So she's my great, great aunt, wow. I think. That's wonderful. Yeah, and, but just I have a photo of it in my of, of the meeting in my office, and it speaks volumes. So how does that make you feel, knowing that you have that history? And I think particularly um, when I think about that, I think about people of color, particularly black people, mm-hmm. whose history was stolen That's right. when we were enslaved. And so you don't always have those connections. So I think we're living at a level of trauma that we're not acknowledging every day. So we're not starting at a a smooth baseline. We're already starting at a level of historical trauma. And so it's really important that we make these connections, that we see where our history began. Mm -hmm. So you can see that in your elders. And the young people need to see where they come from and, and just be in the presence of that and listen to those stories and just learn about their people and their history. So I was going to ask you what was one thing that that we could do. Is is that it, or do you have something else you want to share? One one thing that I can do to be better, to be a better friend, neighbor, family member, right? To 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 my seniors, to the elders in my life and in my community. I would say you should always lead with love and kindness. Mm-hmm. And I think also we tend to think of you know the programs that we offer and the programs that we fund, and we have to be these big things that happen. And I think one small act, you may knock on your neighbor's door and say, I brought you a cup of coffee and chat for 10 minutes. That's it. Okay. I could mow your grass. So you could say, you know what, I'm going to the I, store I to get some groceries. I can't do that because my grass is high. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can, coffee, coffee I can do. Go to the store I can do. I'm going to the store. Can I get you anything? Or just get it for them. I know that they like I was thinking of oranges. You. I'm just going to get that for you. Nice. There's a few nice. things. No expectations of anything. I'm so, not looking for you to do anything for me. I just thought of you. So our listeners don't have to do anything big, you're saying. It's the no. little, you, you've mentioned humanity, and now you're saying just the little acts of kindness. Drive small a friend to church. Thank you. That's beautiful. One historical event that, that comes to mind that impacted your life. You, you, you gave us one about City College. What's another that comes to mind that, that impacted your life? I remember when I heard the news that Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated. And prior to that time, there were all these things that had happened, you know, Emmett Till was killed mm, the year that, that I was born. Okay. And I remember some of the other freedom fighters that were killed um, during the 60s. So I remember that. But I remember when I heard the news, I was downstairs in our house, and there was a bulletin that came on the television that talked about King. And I remember running upstairs to tell my mother. And she, she just just fell apart, you know, just so distraught that that had happened. So that stayed with me. And then I was starting to really pay attention to what was happening, the conflicts that were happening, to all this hate that was building up 
you know, it's like, okay, so we we don't agree, so we're we're just gonna shoot you. <laughs> I never understood why that would solve anything. So that just kind of stayed in stayed in my heart. What what gives you hope? Close us out with that. What what gives you hope right now? What gives me hope is that I know that there are good people out there who want to do the right thing. What gives me hope is that I mean I'm a Christian. I I believe in God, and I believe that when He brings babies into the world, that's my sign for myself that. It's, it's not over, but mm. there's still possibility mm. because there's this new young life that can give breath and life to good things. So that gives me hope. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. How can people find out more about your work, find out more about you, reach you guys? They can reach us at Carmen B at unitedwayglv.org or call me at 610-807-5717. Carmen, thank you for joining us. As always, it's a pleasure to, to, to be with you. I look forward to, you know, learning more about your work, and you keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Let's Talk. I'm Dr. Hassan Batts. I've been here with Carmen Bell, Senior Director of Healthy Aging at the United Way of the Greater Lehigh Valley. Thank you for joining us, and have a phenomenal day. Peace. If you enjoyed this program, please go to WDIY.org or the WDIY app to share or become a WDIY member.